All right, we are live for the Friday edition of the Mike and Mario show. And as always, looking forward to connecting and going through this past week, as well as looking ahead as to what is uh, uh, what, are, what are we facing? <laughs> but other than that, before we dive further, Mario, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing well, uh, observing uh, the, the world, which is getting more hectic, chaotic and deceptive. Uh, how are you, Mike? I'm doing good, my friend. Apart from all just the, just the continuous being bombarded with all types of information from different sources, yeah, I'm, I'm getting used to it by now, man. But give me one second here. I'm hearing some feedback on my side. Give me one second here. Uh, okay. All right. Let me close the windows out. Too many windows open. But other than I'm doing well. Um, yeah, as always, man. That this week was very interesting. Uh, everything from you know the Fed, Fed not doing anything for four straight you know, uh, meetings. Then we have the bank sell-off. Then we have here, we got the border issue, which is still on a lot of people's minds. Then we got the possibility of a new war. Yeah, man, just what's new? And, uh, and the peasants are revolting in Europe or the oh. far- farmers, peasant revolt. I, I mean, which is ironic. Uh, it was something that happened a lot in the Middle Ages, but you wouldn't expect it now. But uh, yeah. because of the a globalist policy of climate change and uh, saying that uh, farming is bad for the environment. We're, we're getting a, a blowback. And, and I think that's really interesting. And we got also the, uh, the great job numbers that came out today. Oh, yeah. Through the roof, through the roof, surprise everybody. <laughs> Even the people who, who punched it into the keyboard is like, what you want to put this out there? Sure. <laughs> um, okay. So we got a lot of things to cover as always for those who are plugged in. If you haven't definitely hit the thumbs up button, share your support for the channels. And then also uh, feel free to have thoughts, ideas, suggestions. We'll put it in the chat. And then when we get to the Q and a portion, we'll do some face to face, letting you guys join us on screen, or you can highlight some questions in the chat. And uh, we're going to make the best of this time this Friday afternoon. And let's dive into, I guess, those jobs figures and talk about, you know, what what reality is really looking like as far as the, the amount of layoffs is going on. Um, but uh, let me make sure everything's moving forward. Make sure everything is good on my side here. All right, I see a couple people here from Pittsburgh. Appreciate you. All right. Uh, let's jump in, Mario. So <laughs> I guess the surprise of the day. So we'll, we'll work from today and work our way backwards throughout the week. And so January jobs report, U.S. economy adds 353,000 jobs blowing past Wall Street expectations. It's a miracle. The economy is recovering. We couldn't be better. Biden economy is just, woo. we're, yeah, everything is hunky-dory, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, uh, are they going to have to raise rates then, the Federal Reserve, you know, because mm-hmm. we've got the NASDAQ at all-time highs. Uh, we got the economy doing so well. Uh, mm-hmm. wh- how, why are people talking about cutting rates? So, uh, unfortunately, I, I think these numbers, uh, it, it is a survey. It's a business survey. They go out and ask businesses uh, what their hiring uh, plans are, and they extrapolate the survey. Uh, and uh, I've heard that a lot of businesses have stopped answering the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics because they feel they're manipulating it. And then you have the other survey, which is the household survey, where they go door to door and ask people, you know, are you working? Did you get a job? And and, uh, I read uh, someone on LinkedIn just before we came on that in the last two months, the household survey, you've had... um, over 700,000 uh, jobs lost. Mm-hmm. While in this uh, non-farm payroll business survey, uh, they've gained like 668,000. So which one is is right? And um, yeah, and you sent me that article, if you want to show uh, about the... Uh, the the fact that uh, you've lo- you had a lot of layoffs in January, like in one uh, sector, it was the biggest uh, layoffs since 2009. So that that doesn't really like equate with these numbers. And and what I'm afraid this is going to do, it's going to uh, give the wrong diagnosis uh, about the economy, and it could actually backfire massively on on the Biden administration. We could have a massive. Uh, collapse because investors, uh, consumers, businesses, they're all getting the wrong signal. They don't know what is going on. Yeah. Yeah. 
Man, so you laid out a lot of things there. Um, man, just one by one. So laying a narrative. And so like it can backfire. So let's talk about that for a minute. So if the economy is doing so good, according to these figures that they're trying to you know, sell the world on, then I, I think I, I got an article or something about, you know, the uh, expectations for a pivot. They're still relatively high in comparison to what Jerome Powell led it to be as far as them saying they possibly see three. But, you know, markets predicting five and it used to be six. But so. If this is a presidential year, they, they need them. They need a narrative going into the remainder of this year that things are looking good. Start off with January, jobs are through the roof. Then we'll see what happens next. And then, really, what's another point they're trying to sell the public on is the need to get out and defend lives lost in the Middle East. So, literally, they're bombarding us with three images of people who lost their lives. And so they're trying to b- build up that patriotic approach of we need to go stop that, that, that whatever. So, I'm assuming between a Booming economy, according to what we've been told, the need to defend our borders and everything else from the Middle East standpoint is something they're going to use to rally on uh, for this presidential election because the banking sector, which we're going to get into in a moment, you know, predicts something completely different. So the distortion in the the, uh, the uh, distortion of reality is what we're dealing with now, like literally monetary twilight zone, because they're trying to paint a, a positive picture. Reality is the quite opposite. But then in the middle, you got people who, unfortunately, on this side of the planet, they're not really concerned with anything outside their comforts and, and everyday living. So I'm not quite sure how this will play, play out. But I think January, like these these numbers here, and I, I got another chart that actually lists all the companies that announced that they're making cuts. And it's just the beginning. And so how can you hide this is a question. Like, how can you hide this? And, of course, the unemployment numbers are going to shoot up through the roof as people begin to file for unemployment as these layoffs kick in. But once again, it just, you know, nothing makes sense. And it's, it's hard to put all these stories together t- to make them equal something that's sound and rational. <laughs> yeah. They, they can't hide it from people who watch these things like we do, or even people uh, on wall street and economists, even though a lot of them are going to go along with it. But I, I think it's getting more and more difficult for an economist to to sit there on CNBC or Bloomberg and say that the economy is doing really well. And I, I think one of the uh, things that uh, these people don't understand, you know, the bureaucrats and the people in the administration, the treasury, uh, is financial markets, how they work and how they react to the uh, economic data. For example, a, a, as we speak here, the 10-year yield is all, up almost 20 basis points. Uh, the the two year yield is up twenty. Uh, the the one year T bill yield is up fifteen basis points. So uh, they they they're buying into uh, the White House and the people at the Treasury are buying to this thing that there's no inflation. So bond markets are under control. But as we're seeing here, uh, this number is like uh, really hit the bond market. And what does that mean for the government? Well, more. Uh, more uh, deficit spending. Why more mm-hmm. deficit spending? Well, because the financing, the all the six trillion in total that they have this year, um, it's going to cost more. So that's why I said, you know, they they do this, they manipulate everything, but, and it's going to come back to uh, haunt them. And, and in terms of uh, what you're saying there about the conflict in the Middle East, how they and, and I'm not. Um, saying that lives don't matter but mm-hmm. uh, do you, you don't remember but i remember vaguely vietnam thousands and i don't know tens of thousands of americans died mm-hmm. but there's no uh there was outrage you know the hippies protested and all that but the establishment didn't care and now you have three people like dying and i i, I know it's bad but they're making a huge deal out of it to justify mm-hmm. Um, more, <laughs> they call it, they, they want to stop the, uh, escalation, but by, uh, bombing people more in the Middle East, it's only going to escalate things. But we know, Mike, that, um, war is a racket according to Smedley Butler. And, yeah. uh, I think it's one of the things that they think that they can keep the economy going. I, I saw earlier this uh, week that the uh, IMF, revise the the russian economy and they're doing really well why is the russian economy doing well well they're spending a lot 
in in the war current war against ukraine mm -hmm. so there you go war uh is profitable but not for the public of course yeah and i also factor in you know their their, their economy overall as far as their interaction with those friendly countries uh, as far as oil exports and a grain sent out around the world they're still business is still flowing people are still paying for their goods and services that is being exploited and you know, utilized around the world so yeah and um, russia has very little uh public debt i think it's below 20 percent. yeah and, and speaking with speaking of let me just pull up here this is a very detailed and thorough um breakdown of all the layoffs that have been announced th thus far just within the last 30 days of you know or january rather so just this week we had paypal did not they're talking about twelve thousand layoff coming up and they just in august had a pay wage increase of an all-time high for like you know uh, i think you know six figure salaries for the most part for those that have been part of ups for quite some time but they're cutting somewhere iRobot laid off 31%, Salesforce lays off, Business Insider lays off, Time Magazine, SAP, Room, <laughs> Los Angeles Times. So I can go on and on and on, but this is a very detailed list of everybody within the month of January that's announced cuts. And so, like, how can these jobs be doing so well? But then again, yeah. we know that, uh, you know, everything is made to make things appear one way, while in the reality is complete opposite. So, um, so let, let's get let's go back further, man. Um, I guess the exposure to the com commercial real estate is really starting to uh, hit home. And midweek we had the what looks like the beginning or the continuation from last year, but just a different episode or whatever we'll see. But regional bank stocks were crashing midweek, and so we had New York Community Bank, which got the most attention. Then we had. So we got New York Community Bank here. No, I'm sorry, Azura Bank. Then we got New York Community Bank here. Then we got uh, Western Alliance Corp, Bancorp. And then just an overall trajectory of a few different banks here. And so ultimately, the banks are starting to hemorrhage. They're hemorrhaging big time due to the losses there. They have incurred with all that debt that have been taken out. So how do you hide this? Like, so this is the number. So if the jobs are doing so well, well, amongst all these changes in the banking sector, it's good to say, that there's going to be even more layoffs announced from there to from there from that sector there the tech sectors of course was the list that i showed before but how can you hide these when people will actually be feeling the pain and the people who are being laid off you better believe they're going to look for the someone to blame it's gonna be hard to point towards biden as the one who has such a great economy if i'm unemployed laid off pockets is hurting you know how that story goes but so once again how does this add how does this equal a good presidential run for him if that's even something he's even concerned with at this point <laughs> yeah I've heard, uh, rumors that uh michelle obama is going to be uh, the next candidate uh and that they're going to announce it in may or something so but uh you you mentioned commercial real estate uh we've known since last year you know when uh svb uh first republic and uh, signature bank collapsed that uh the smaller banks have the most exposure to commercial real estate. Uh, the likes of JP Morgan and Bank of America don't, it's not a big part of their business, but uh, I, I was reading an article you sent me, there's 3 trillion in commercial real estate loans due by 2027. And the experts, you know, a billionaire there and others are predicting a, a haircut of 700 billion to a trillion in the value of these loans. Uh, and um, yeah, it's going to be, um, I, I'm not sure how that will impact uh, the labor market, but it will definitely impact, impact the balance sheets of these banks. And how can they hide it? Well, the Fed will just come up with another scheme that uh, they will call not QE. Uh, just to save them, they might extend the BTFP or they, they might let that roll out and then create another one and call it something else. I'm sure, or the treasury could work with the Fed to, to you know, to keep these uh, basically zombie banks going. So yeah, it's like they're, uh, you know, uh, juggling plates and stuff, you know, the, uh, and uh, they're just desperate to keep things going until November. And I think uh, this, uh, the statistics, 
uh, today show show that as well. I, I'm not sure many uh, thinking people uh, that are not compromised, you know, working for mainstream media or the big banks uh, believe these numbers are true. Yeah. Um, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, uh, we will see. But listen, I want to dive into some of these things. I just highlight a few things here to really show how. Uh, bad things are in the commercial real estate. And of course, the multifamily home lending area, then of course, down to residential will be impacted. So it's just not isolated in, in the commercial real estate. But it says that 560 billion property warning hits banks from New York to Tokyo. And of course, leading off with the New York Communities Bank uh, and their stock was down 38% on Wednesday. And I looked at it a moment ago and, you know, it's still... <laughs> not looking like something that uh, you know I would be willing to buy at this current moment. And I was I'd be making a lot of jokes about how you know I'm waiting I'm waiting on any minute for it to go a little lower so I can buy the dip, <laughs> in hopes of the Fed coming in and save the day. But I just I'm just playing. But <laughs> uh, let me get here. So yeah, just talk some more about this. But one of the things it says banks are rough are facing roughly 560 billion in commercial real estate maturities by the end of 2025. And then it talks more about that the KBW Regional Banking Index slumped by six percent on Wednesday, and I, it's a measurement of all the regional banks that's you know part of this index here. And I noticed that on their fund, they don't go out beyond looks like five days, so they keep everything short. So I can't go back into history and see the gyrations and fluctuations that um, I'm sure the index has. Well, you can uh, if you Google KBW Bank Index, it will bring you. Uh the uh, index on the chart, for example, I've got it here in the last year is down 18%. Put it in uh, the, uh, put it in a private chat because I couldn't find yeah. that. Let me, you have to, uh, let's see. Let me copy that. Uh, where is the private chat? Okay. All right, you should have it there. Okay, let me bring this up here. Good, fine. All right, so I see it here. All right, yeah, so it's, this, this it's up today a little bit, but uh, mm. if you did the one year, I mean, that's that you know, on the left hand side there. And that's what last year when everything yep. went down and it hasn't been, it's rebounded from, from there, but it looks like it's keeling over to me, you know, it's topping there and it's. Yeah. I would be willing to bet that uh, it's trending down before up given all the yeah. conditions that we're talking about here. Yeah. Especially with the uh, approach of March 11th is when they are uh, going to uh, phase out BTFP. Mm, good point. And speaking of which, uh, let me get to the next article that I wanted to, that you hinted at, but you know, a billionaire Sternlich, if I'm saying that incorrectly, sees 1 trillion losses in uh, office values. So, you know, these are some pretty big people out here talking about what's going on. And I, I know that this is the office market has a, uh, existential crisis right now, which is largely a U.S. phenomenon because <laughs> workers haven't gone back to these, their desks yet, but uh, whatever. Well, I think it's happening uh, here in London as well. You know, in the city of London, we have yeah. a lot of uh, buildings empty. Even during lockdown, I spoke to some builders and they're saying uh, they're still building during lockdown in London, which is crazy. Um, yeah, good luck with that. So his uh, name is uh, Starlight. Starlight. Very That's Starlight. Sternlicht in German is Starlight. <laughs> mm, like, I, yeah, I, would, I would butcher that one. But last year it says the office market had I already mentioned that part here. It says once a three trillion asset class, uh offices now are probably worth one point eight trillion. It says there's a one point two trillion of losses spread world somewhere, and nobody knows exactly where it is all where it all is. So yeah. those losses, approximately one point two trillion. So where are they? <laughs> They're on the regional banks or the smaller banks, more than likely. And I wanted to then go to Here's a chart of the list of the largest banks in the United States. And I was just thumbing through them, just seeing which stories have hit the news lately. And so the New York uh, Community Bank is number 34 on this list. <laughs> and then we go down a little further. I see a couple of names we're familiar with. Uh, where was the other ones that some of the banks already blew up? Uh, what we got here? Where we go? Where they go? Where they go? Where they go? 
but these are a lot of banks and it's good to say a good portion of these banks are the ones holding yeah those losses that he's referring to ah where's that okay fine it now but anyway point in story is we got the two big defaults at the top <laughs> with the trillions then we got the high hundred billions and then we get into the smaller boys where the losses yeah. i'm sure will be exposed real soon real soon. well you know uh subprime uh was kind of like that the crisis uh uh, of 08 it started with the mm -hmm. small uh subprime lenders and it spread you know subprime so um it's like contagion it can you know these are smaller banks people might think oh it's not going to affect uh, the too big to fail but you never know it's called contagion and it could happen very quickly yeah very true very true um all right let's keep it moving let's get to some other stories here uh what else we got here uh what else stories i got um, what do you want to take it next? Do you want to look a little bit into uh, the um, farmers' protests in Europe? Definitely, definitely. Let me pull some stuff up here. I got them on my radar here. Um, the video footage coming out of and it's and um, let me know if you are um, also seeing the same thing because I'm noticing that for the most part, the best, not the best, but the most reliable, somewhat reliable source of information is coming from X these days. Like yeah. we would know nothing about the protest yeah. that's taking place in Europe if it wasn't for people sharing yeah. video footage. And you sent me this one here about what's happening in France and how the police appear to be standing down and 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 and, and support of those that are uh, protesting what's going on in yeah. the country there. So and it's, it's spreading as well now. Uh, I think it's spread to Belgium, of course, even Portugal, Germany, Poland. You kind of wonder if it's going to spread here. And, and I've uh, looked at uh, the mainstream, you know, the newspapers. Uh, they write about it. A lot of them just say that, oh, the French farmers, for example, are unhappy about costs being too high and regulation. Uh, but then sometimes they mention, you know, the uh, environmental rules, you know, how, that they have to follow for this net zero. And I think that's yeah. what it's all about is the net zero thing that's basically killing these farmers. Uh, they want to impose this net zero green agenda where farming is supposedly uh, bad. And these people are saying this is ridiculous without food. Uh, we yeah. can't eat, you know, without farmers, you don't get food and without food, what we're going to yeah. eat. So right. uh, I think this is encouraging because it's exposing this uh, Davos World Economic Forum, climate change, uh, globalist uh, agenda. And uh, yeah. I think what's happening also uh, at the southern border, border in the U.S. is mm -hmm. related to this because the uh, globalists don't want a strong United States. And I think that letting all these people through the border, illegal aliens, is part of it as well. So they're all related. And we've had as well the, maybe you can talk about the truckers uh, going, you know, the convoys going down to the border in Mexico. I think that's very similar to that in the. Yeah. In so I talked about, I mean, this is, you know, so I approach everything with a grain of skepticism. Because whatever is usually promoted and pushed our way is is used typically to cover up or to hide or hide something else, and so the truckers' convoy, like I haven't even noticed, like because typically it would it would be in my uh, in my feed because I do follow things like that, but it, you know it's other than like what mid January it popped up, but I had nothing that has really circulated as of now, so I'm typing it in as we speak, but I was concerned because we got a lot of people with good intentions going to that area in support of Texas, as well yeah. as showing protests against our government. Okay, cool. But then again, everything has been focused on a single entry point in El Paso, Texas, where the barbed wire, the barricades yeah. and, and all that national guard troops are being sent to. But I'm thinking like the entire border from California to Texas is very, 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 very long. And why yeah. are the media focusing on that point? And why is Abbott yeah. being painted as the hero for You're pushing right. back against the government? It's like, ah, okay. Yeah. Like, You're right to be skeptical because uh, it could be a trap. Uh, 
just like uh, January 6th, right? Yeah. So, and also we got DeSantis just yesterday announced that he's sending more reinforcements. I think a, a thousand new national troop, national state guards. So he sent several different tiers of people to Texas going back to 2021. And so if we got 25 states, literally all in support of Abbott, and they got several states sending aid and support. But then again, what about the other states along the Mexican border? Like there's more states. What about the other states that board like New Mexico and we got Nevada? They all board Mexico as well. And the gate that's up there, I saw a video footage that somebody shared from Texas and he drove past the El, Tex El, Paso, El Paso, Texas site, which is a bridge. Military presence was there, barbed wire fence. He drove a half a mile along that same wall there, gates wide open. Then he kept driving another quarter of a mile, gate wide open. What even a gate there? It was just, I'm thinking like, why are they focusing on that where there's mm. military presence? You can just walk a half a mile down and come on in. <laughs> so there's no telling what's happening along that long stretch from yeah. Texas to California. I got video footage of people just walking around the gate in California. <laughs> so it's like, come on now. Like, if, if it's really about protecting our country, secure the entire border, and let's you know deal with other issues as well within our country because we don't know who and what has already landed and i'm ranting a little bit but i've seen video footage of um people posting mug shots as well as camera captured video footage of people who are labeled as you know cartels from this place terrorists from this place and so if that's true that goes to my point of we don't know who's already here what they have what their intentions are and what could come from that so if there's a issues happening in the eu we can have issues here, but on a civil side of things of just yeah, some type of attack or whatever. And then I'm going to stop ranting with this whole response to the Iranian back Houthis. Iran made it clear that if there's a direct attack on land or in something with our country, it won't end here and it won't be peaceful how this ends out. And I'm thinking like, okay, it kind of seemed like a threat. And I took it as, Will he activate potentially some some sales, sleeper sales in the U.S.? So it goes it goes deep, man. But yeah, yeah, I, I spent too much time thinking about this stuff. It looks like, yeah, because <laughs> it's very concerning. Because once again, you know, the mainstream media is focused on this, but yet people in Main Street are really focused on on the border. I did a survey during the week asking people what's of more concern to them, and close to fifty percent was the border. Over the mm -hmm. Middle East heights, over the over the Middle East, over the banking situation, over everything else, people are concerned with the border. So, anyway, I'll stop ranting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, these are just real things that people um, are concerned with. So, uh, oh, speaking of which, could, uh, I sent you something about the UK. Apparently, the mortgage rates are starting to rise again. One of the so uh, the respite we had since the end of October, since it seems to be over. And, uh, okay. Let me find that one. Let me see here. Uh, uh, it's in the chat. Let me see. Let me grab it. I thought I grabbed yeah. everything, but I didn't. Um, and someone just noted here that there's a UK, uh, YouTube channel called funky prepper. And I've watched him. Uh, he's mm -hmm. based here in the UK and he, he's saying that, uh, English and Scottish farmers are also going to rise up. And he says, I also saw that the Welsh farmers had a, a meeting to see how they can protest against Welsh, the Welsh sustainable farming. So it, it's spreading. You know, it's like uh, we're talking about the banks. <laughs> it's like contagion. It, it, it feels like uh, 19, 1980s, late 80s, when the, all the Soviet uh, bloc Eastern European countries started uh yeah, leaving, you know, when communism started to fall, it was like a domino. And, yeah, and I sense that we are in historic times here, uh, not just for Europe, but the U.S. as well. Yeah, I would agree. And also, I, I don't see that article. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's not that uh, serious, but it just goes to show that, um, yeah, the mainstream and like the real estate agents, they see interest rates dropping a little bit and they think, oh, that's it's great now. Uh, rates are not going to go up anymore, but after today, you know, you know I, I think uh, they're going to have to be on the lookout because bond yields are still rising and they're going to continue to rise. And the, the rise in bond yields today in the U.S. or fall in bond prices is going to affect 
the bond markets in the UK and in Europe too. Yeah, the debt contagion will not be mm. isolated. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so I didn't see the article, but I did, I did want to mention this real quick. Um, so I was talking earlier how, you know, it was waiting, we waiting any minute for a response. And so other than just more rhetoric from headline mainstream news talking about something is planned, U.S. approves plan to, to strike Iranian targets in Syria and Iraq, officials say. So my question is, so question, I'm just throwing some thoughts out here and ideas to you, Mario. If Syria and Iraq is going to be the primary targets that they're looking to respond to, of course, they're according to the U.S. sources, they're Iranian-backed, whatever, whatever. But isn't it interesting how Iraq, over the last several months, if I'm not mistaken, has requested that the, mili- the U.S. military leave their country? Yeah, I've and seen so that. now they're about to start re- bombing, rebombing again in Iraq at the same time they've been I, asked to I leave. Mean, yeah, I mean, the United States foreign policy since uh, George W. Bush has done so well, right? in, in uh, liberating Iraq and uh, making it democratic, uh, that it's attracted the Iranians. Uh, this is their fault. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's amazing because in the 80s, Iran, Iran and Iraq were enemies. I don't know if you remember the Iran-Iraq war. And now <laughs> the Americans have succeeded in making them friends. Uh, but we always, we've been hearing about this uh, war with Iran for, for years. And it never seems to happen. And does that mean I want to see a war with them? No. I think they use that as an excuse to keep the military spending going because it seems, you know, and Israel comes out and says Iran is a threat. You know, <laughs> Iran Iran has, it's almost like the new Putin, isn't it? Putin is, uh, is blamed for everything. And now Iran is blamed for everything in the Middle East, even though the U.S. has bases all over the Middle East. Right. So I, I think I'm not sure we're going to have a war with Iran, but they would welcome one. I think I think the U.S. globalist military industrial complex would welcome that just because. Now, it's, if there it's is a war with Iran, then that's uh, unfortunately is going to be World War Three. Uh, that's a biggie. Iran is not Afghanistan. Iran is uh, an old empire, a big country, has a big army. And uh, according to the Israelis, they have nuclear weapons as well, even though the Israelis have nuclear weapons, too. So you can't blame Iran for that. Right. And and to highlight also on this, like Iraq and Syria will be their primary targets. And once again, like there was never any congressional approval whatsoever. I remember two, three years ago, four years ago, you know, it was it was taboo to even mention that we had forces in, in Syria because it was hush hush during the whole presidential campaign before. But so it was always a small, small what was it called a small targeted strategic, whatever they labeled it as for like a, a small unit or something like that. But now the unit obviously gotten bigger and they got bases and everything over there. But they were never welcomed or invited in Syria. And they were asked to leave Iraq. But then again, they're trying to you know, enforce their presence. Yeah, against I mean, I think the Iraqi uh, president or prime minister, he's asked for Americans, the Americans to, to leave. But they're yeah, still there. And, uh, and the Russians have uh, a presence in Syria, but they've been invited by uh, Assad. Uh, and if Russia wasn't there. The U.S. would have been took a side out and they would have, yeah, it would have been a lot well, uglier than what it is now, I think. You've probably uh, seen this. Uh, it's from years ago, uh, General Wesley Clark. <laughs> He's <laughs> being interviewed and uh, he talks about the day uh, or when he went to the Pentagon uh, after 9-11 and he spoke to uh, the generals there and they said, well, we have a plan to go into Iraq, Iran, Syria, all these seven countries. And uh, yeah, he he told us the uh, the playbook. Uh, Wesley Clark. He he was the uh, head of the you, I think NATO <laughs> at one point. So uh, I think Iran has been a problem because they haven't and Syria because they haven't been able to get rid of it as quickly as they wanted it. Yeah, they wanted to do it in five years, and and here we are, uh, ten fifteen years later, and yeah. Iran hasn't been. Uh, knocked off by the neocons yet 
Yeah, so all, all the other countries on our list have all gone through some changes. So Iran is the last one standing. Somalia, Sudan. We don't even, I don't even talk about that because I know there's always some type of revolt, yeah. revolution. They get and they fund. They, so they have a lot of cultural clashes there. You know, religious wars where they fund one side to kill the other side, and you know you got Somalians killing each other. So that Sudan yeah, killing each other. Like some, yeah, some people think the reason uh, the U.S. and the U.K. run this foreign policy is to keep. Uh, everyone divided over there to make israel stronger <laughs> uh so that that's the uh the main reason they do it because if the middle east was strong and united israel uh supposedly would feel threatened mm -hmm. i that is quite that is quite obvious like literally if there's unity all the way around them then like you know i think the middle east unity would definitely they'd be willing to if they can get east support they'd be willing to take on the west with no problem and I, hmm. unfortunately, I think we're heading to that way anyway. But um, I want to also share something with you uh, that also caught my, in my attention this week. Um, so we had what looks like a successful test pilot for a interbanking blockchain network that is under the development of several countries. And so it says first cross-border payment made using the UAE's digital Durham it says first ever digital transaction made directly to China through the Enbridge platform. So here's a picture of the, one of their leaders, Senator Bankers, yeah. pushing a button. Yeah. And it's, it's marked a significant moment by this past Monday by initiating the first cross-border payment using the UAE's central bank digital currency to the amount of 50 million Durham, which I equated to about 13 or so million dollars. Well, I... I uh, actually uh, spoke about this in my video this morning, and mm -hmm. the article that I uh, picked up said it was five hundred million or one hundred and thirty-four million dollars equivalent. But I don't think the amount matters that much. Yeah, I think yeah. Just, this just goes to show that they're not just talking about de-dollarization; they're actually doing it, and they've mm -hmm. got the the wherewithal to do it. Yeah, uh, I think it's important as well. I uh, and to highlight. Because I've been talking about how I believe a lot of the infrastructure for cross-border payment and all the all the blockchain label stuff that the masses have been sold on was intended to help and build out their infrastructure at the end of the day. And so this Enbridge, which is what was used uh, to execute this first trade or whatever, I talked about that you know like last year, but I found an article highlighting more about Enbridge cross-border CBDC has 23 central banks and the IMF as an observer. And here's, here's a, just a list of all the banks, central banks that are all plugged in to this network. And of course, we got Asia, the Middle East, including Israel, with Saudi Arabia, and the US is uh, represented by New York's Innovation Center at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. So these entities here, they got something ready to go for the after effects of whatever the banking contagion might look like. So. Yeah, they're yeah. building out. They're moving forward, regardless of what you know. We're not being told from the mainstream media. So, all the chaos is on the top. What we're being, what we're forced to focus on. But underneath, they're building out whatever they plan on using to further enslave humanity, digitally speaking. So, um, all right, you ready to get into some Q and A or what? Yeah, there's a super chat from Chris Conman. If you want to highlight all it, right. Chris, appreciate it. it. Says, uh, can you please explain what you mean by inflating away the debt? Will it lead to hyperinflation? Thanks. Yeah, I can answer that if you, and then you can add on. Um, inflating away the debt means in the fiat currency system, um, the more debt you create, the more worthless, the more worthless mm -hmm. it becomes. And why is that? Well, because the the government uh, borrows more, spends more, and of course they need a central bank to uh, uh, make that possible through QE and money printing. And what that does, it uh, it, it uh, increases the supply of currency and credit in the system faster than the economy can keep up with it. Real things, so the uh, the that it's the law of supply and demand, and, and that's what they did in after post World War II. Uh, they they keep uh, rates artificially low as well. They create debt. Um, they were able to do it better then because the economy was growing. But when the economy is not growing and is as bad as it is now, and there's so much ta taxation, inflating away, away the debt can lead to hyperinflation because people are going to wake up. 
they're going to realize that this is a deliberate policy. And uh, that's when you have people uh, running away from the currency because there's too much of it through the uh, creation of more debt. And that's what von Mises said, and it can happen overnight. It's just people getting rid of the currency. And I've noticed, Mike, uh, I don't do it very often, my wife and I. Uh, we sometimes order stuff like Uber Eats. Uh, it's not something you do regularly. But I ordered the other day. Uh, I wanted, for some reason, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And just ordered a little <laughs> bit of chicken, uh, a little corn on the cob. And uh, they sent the wrong drink. <laughs> but it was like 14 pounds for just a little mm -hmm. bit of chicken. And, uh, I mean, five, 10 years ago, that would have been like six, seven pounds. So I, I think, uh, food prices are going through the roof and it's not going to get better. Uh, are you yeah. seeing anything like that in, in the, in the U S? Oh, it's the same exact thing, man. Like I noticed like the menu price, I, I'm very self-conscious of it now. Like, you know, especially like feeding the family, like whenever I go to places, I look at the menu first just to see how much it's gone up. All my favorite places, they've all gone up. I understand yeah. you got to keep up with the cost of operations, labor, da, 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 whatever. But at some point, you know, you're going to have to choose. And that's what a lot of people are doing now. How much will you eat out and or how much will you decide to lessen the quality of food you buy for yourself? Because it also yeah. is going to impact the diet. Because most like you say Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, like <laughs> I haven't had none that in a while. But I understand like it's a, the greasy chicken is good every now and then. But I never have it. But uh, I just <laughs> felt like having it. And uh, but the, talking about that, I, I sent you an article. I don't know if you have it, but I'll put it in the private chat. Uh, okay. Even uh, Joe Biden is noticing it, and he's blaming uh, oh. the, greed, the greed of supermarkets, you know, for for higher food prices. He's not blaming himself for running huge deficits and uh, sending, tr you know, hundreds of billions to, uh, to yeah. Ukraine. I got so, it here. Yeah. I saw yeah. That <laughs> so. um, yeah. And that's where I've seen, even in Canada, like, you know, was it in Trudeau was talking about needing to address, you know, the, 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 the grocery prices and stuff like that. So every nation that's experiencing this, increase consumer prices at the at the at the pump at the yeah. grocery store and the reason where why you go in life sorry to that's where the government's gonna start talking about needing to step in price controls ultimately yeah sorry to interrupt you uh go ahead. the reason i brought up the food prices and like the mm -hmm. my experience is that having read books about the german hyperinflation and also the post-revolutionary france hyperinflation uh the first thing that really people feel is food prices and it's the same thing now. So that's why I'm concerned, especially with the way the world is so crazy these days. <laughs> it's a symptom that uh, we're going to see a total collapse of the currencies. And uh, that's in response to Chris's, Chris Conman's question. I think we will get hyperinflation and we're starting to see uh, some of the symptoms uh, of it already. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my little tidbit to add to that is like the best way I look at it is the, the hyper, you know, inflating away the debt, expanding the monetary base, of course, to take care of today's problems, which were, which were, which were our government's attempts to reach into the future to extract value that, that was not there for today. And in doing so by expanding the monetary base, it also dilutes the purchasing power of your currency today and what you will not have in the future, because they've already they've already exchanged that. They've yeah, they've, that uh, they've right consumed. There. I mean, I think the Austrian School of Economics they say that borrowing is consuming uh, the future. It's con con uh, consuming future production. So, mm -hmm. and if you can't produce in the future, and you're still borrowing, <laughs> uh, the currency is going to become worth less and less. And, right. and I, I think even the, these uh, farmer protests. Uh, could make things worse because y you could stores in France. Yeah, I've seen, like, and, right? and uh, of course they will blame the farmers for it, not <laughs> not not the uh, the globalist uh, agenda of climate change. Oh, who's that? Is that what's this her is name? My granddaughter. This is my granddaughter coming to tell me she's ready. What's her to name play. again? Uh, Hennessy. <laughs> yeah, Rudy's not here. Ru Rudy's with my wife today. When, uh, <laughs> when when I came over to the study to do the uh, 
the Mike and Mary show, he was in his bed asleep for a change. <laughs> yeah, he's he really knocked out too. <laughs> he was, so watch this. We got, we got somebody that's joined us, uh, LBP, but I want to play this video. It's, it's a one-minute video from a guy named Robert Breedlove who has a podcast called What is Bitcoin? And he bro- he made a great, great analogy referencing the problems we've had with the current monetary structure that I just – it's it's priceless. And so I want to play it real quick. Let me, uh, let me grab the video. And it's just something that really makes you – Central banking is an institutionalized system of time theft because ultimately the fruits of your labor are a product of your time or energy, right? Time and energy used synonymously here. We printed $6 trillion in 2020, right? In the U.S. The average annual U.S. salary is $60,000 roughly. That's 100 million years stolen. Right through the counterfeiting of currency. If each human works from the age of 20 to 70, so it's about 50 productive years per human, the counterfeiting of $6 trillion USD equals the stealing of 2 million human lives worth of productive labor. Right? This is a, it's a, like, Mm -hmm. to try to make it real, like it's a real massive problem. And then, of course, the plausible deniability that's built into inflation, right? It's Putin's fault. It's Beyonce's <laughs> fault. It's the supply chains. It's yeah. everything but the central bank. So again, we're back to that romantic lie, the deception and the stealing going hand in hand. I think this is hopefully what we can deliver as as Bitcoiners is. All right, so I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, I agree. even though I'm not on the Bitcoin, uh, in the Bitcoin train, I agree with him with what he said. Central banking and uh, yeah, central banking is uh, a scam. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's fraudulent. It, it, they're the only group of people, along with the uh, uh, commercial banks, who who are like probably uh, well, they are allied and sometimes own the central banks. They, they, they're the only ones who can create currency and credit out of thin air. If I wanted to lend you money, Mike, uh, I have I have to have a hundred dollars. I, I can't just write, "Oh, Mike, here, I'm just going to send you a hundred dollars." Just uh, you, had, hey, well, you had to go work and spend yeah. energy, talent, skill to acquire that, yeah, and then share it. They yeah. get a chance. We'll and here, it. here in England, uh, the Bank of England started in 1694, and uh, so the bankers uh, and the people around them they've had 300 plus years to basically extract all the wealth from the general public. This mm-hmm. country, the general public, should be a lot wealthier than it is now. The reason why uh, there's so much poverty uh, and increasing here is because they're stealing it. And um, that's all there is. Uh, They don't have to work for it. A farmer, though, has to do all the work. Uh, They can't create rice or corn or, you know, they can't create cows and and eggs out of thin air. (laughs) Uh, So, so, like, the reason I played that video was just to highlight you know, the, the, the theft and your productivity from your life, your work life is being stolen from you as well as your skills, talents, everything else, all encompasses being stolen. And he's just point, he's just pointing back over the last, you know, four years of the 6 yeah. trillion here in the U S like literally they reached into the future and created 6 trillion hours worth of unrealized productivity. And they brought it into today to save today's economy. While everybody, everybody, mom and pops is still working for the same amount of wages, relatively speaking, that like will never ever allow them to compensate for the theft of their future that was stolen and brought forward to where you're automatically on a losing end of stick. Yeah. So I call it unrealized productivity theft. That's my little terminology yeah. for the stealing of your time, labor, and skill. Like, and then they they and they brainwash it with the fact that if you put aside a certain amount in a retirement account, that that same amount, a million, two million, it's, you know, I, I did videos on that. I think the latest survey said you know people feel comfortable with 1.3 million, 1.5 million. And two years ago, three years ago, it was just under a million. So by 2025, it's going to be, you know, two million is what you'll yeah. need to feel comfortable, depending on your lifestyle or whatever. But that, that has to continue to go higher because they didn't rent so far out and grab six trillion and brought it to today that they're not even done reaching into the future. They're going to try to reach as far as they can and bring in however much is needed to prop this system up. And 
just depending upon fiat currency, you are guaranteed to lose. It's no way around it because it's their weapon of choice. <laughs> yeah, the other thing it does, it, uh, I mean, it discourages uh, people to work uh, because, you know, what's the point of working if uh, you're not really earning uh, something that you can live on the, and investing becomes more difficult? And the other thing they use is taxation to uh, to uh, control this inflation and, and to make sure that uh, so, that people who do well don't do too well so that they can get out of the system. It, it's just a, a nefarious, uh, this fiat currency, central banking taxation uh, is it, just uh, really immoral in my opinion. Yeah. Ah, man, financial repression at its finest. Um, Let's get to some questions. I know um, what we got. We got a couple more minutes. I apologize for the long rants on my part, but yeah, just trying to make sense of everything that doesn't make sense. So highlight at Manigo64 or at RTD. It'll stand out in the chat. We'll jump on it, share our two cents on it real quick. And I'll also put the chat out there or I put the link out there to join us. Feel free to join us and share a thought if you like to. Uh, looks like we might have somebody. Mr. LBP is joining us. Let me put him right. on the screen here. Uh, is he so, delivering uh, the post today? Let me, I got to get rid of some. One second. One, se one second, LBP. We remove some stuff. Uh, remove this if I can. Um, hi. Show on screen. Show on screen. So LBP should be here. Let me see there why he's go. not. Oh, oh, wrong no. person. LBP, I'm trying to get you on here, but it's not you're not popping up. Uh, might be not be able to do that one. LBP is supposed to be right here, <laughs> but he's not. LBP, I won't be able to get you on. It looks like I apologize. Uh, there's a question here, Micah. Please comment on hydrogen fuel uh, in UK, USA, or Europe. Um, to be honest, I, I'm not too. Uh, familiar with the hydrogen fuel. I, I know that in the UK, I think we have uh, some kind of uh, hydrogen uh, fuel industry. Do you, do you, have you looked into that, Mike? I have not. Not at all. Not okay. at all. It's not my well, area of study. I'll have a look into it, William, uh, William PMCD. Uh, another question here. Yeah. Since yeah. pensions are basically Ponzi schemes and with the possibility of great taking looming on the horizon, does it make sense to pay into pensions plan if you are if you're in early? If you're in early. Early thirties, in your early thirties. Uh well I mean, if if you work for a company and they uh contribute to your pension, I think you should you know, that's fine. Uh and uh but what I would say is maybe uh make sure you also have some kind of uh, assets outside this uh, financial system like gold and silver or whatever you want i remember i worked with a guy many years ago and he uh he collected uh, uh watches like uh, expensive watches and he had mm -hmm. dozens you know of rolexes and all that i i think he's done well from that and, and a lot of these things are called uh, chattel so they don't have capital gains tax so mm -hmm. yeah Maybe yeah. If you uh, if your company provides you a private pension uh, and they uh, contribute to it, you know that's fine. But um, try to uh, have a an opt out. You know, some kind of insurance outside. Yeah, self insurance. Self insurance is the best insurance. Have your mainstream insurance, in my opinion, which would be all the things that you're looking to protect yourself with and invest in your future. But ultimately, I remember I heard something about. Uh, I think it was a video about the Great Taking. That was somebody the, the author was talking about and basically saying that you know you don't own none of that stuff none of that stuff is yours like it's literally no. like you know you're the middleman between yeah you, you paid for it but then the fiduciaries yeah. and the Legal. holders of it they benefit mm. from it yeah legally uh if there's a crisis you, you'll be uh, left uh left holding the bag uh there's another question here from vitrio uh how is this uh vitrio here we go how are we to transact with each other over the internet across borders, et cetera, without a trusted intermediary. I guess we won't. <laughs> we, that's why I think uh, maybe uh, being part of a small community is important. Um, 
yeah, it's not the internet is well and good, but um, uh, they they could switch off the internet very easily. Uh, the people who uh, created the internet, which is like the U.S. Uh, U.S. deep state. Yeah, and also I think this is where the speculation side comes in. Like as of now, there are you know of course everybody's favorite towards Bitcoin and stuff like that. But then again, like even for, like for myself as like a backup and worst case scenario, having some exposure to that would allow me to be able to transact. So I'm not against it. But then again, I'm not out encouraging people to go bet your house on like sailor. You know what I'm saying? Sell your house, mortgage your yeah. kids, go I, get your help. Yeah. Nah. I think uh, what Clive uh, Thompson, who I have on quite a few times, says is to um, diversify a little bit, you know, have mm -hmm. uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. I do agree. Jiddu the voice. Do you know what tax lawyers think about the great taking? Uh, thank you. Uh, no, I, I don't uh, know what the tax lawyers think, but I think David Rogers Webb, he, he's uh, spoken uh, to uh, a lot of big investors and to people like that. And uh, they, they kind of just uh, listened and, and didn't say anything. Um, I would say uh, a lot of them probably haven't heard of it, the great mm -hmm. taking. And uh, a lot of them are probably just, they just, you know, they're just doing their job and they're just earning a living. So I, I don't think they, they do, Jiddu uh, the voice, but yeah. that's just speculation. Yeah. Somebody says, check out Abbott's, Abbott's involvement with the World Economic Forum. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. Nothing surprised me at this current moment. Well, apparently uh, when the uh, Texas thing was kicking off last week, he was actually in India. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Texas is a big economy. It is a big economy, but it uh, is a 12th, state, so. 12th biggest uh, economy in the world, Texas. Right, which is pretty massive for it being a state. Um, what else we got here? I don't frothing at the mouth during one or two people still traded outside uh, the ration books. Uh, how could that look in the future? During World War II, people still trade outside of ration books. How could that look in the future? Well, that's black market, isn't it? I mean, here in, in England, they had ration books uh, even after the war. And uh, yeah, there's a black market. Uh, my uh, my uh, sister's mother-in-law, I saw her during Christmas in Switzerland. She grew up in Switzerland during the war in the mountains, you know, uh, and she said uh, she was about five or six and her mom sent her to, uh, to get uh, eggs. Mm -hmm. uh, or was it the, or yeah, eggs. And she went in there and all the adults and, and the guy who sold the eggs said, the, so you've come for the, the black eggs. And she said, mm -hmm. no, eggs, no, butter she went for. And she said, they said, you, you've come for the black butter. Someone said next to her. And, she, and then she went back home and said, mom, uh, they wanted to sell me black butter. And she said, <laughs> you know, it was black market. So that, yeah. that's what you have, uh, black market. <laughs> so. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, yeah. And that's where it, it it's, it's, it seems very common that there's an yeah. alternative market that always pops up when yeah. the primary market apparently, is distorted. Uh, sorry, apparently uh, B.R. Williams says, Martin Armstrong says the great uh, taking is BS. BS. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if it's BS. I, I think David Rogers Webb is legitimate and he's done his homework. Uh, I mean, I, I started following Martin Armstrong uh, back when he was still in prison and uh, he used to write from prison and uh, i don't agree with everything he says but uh, right, anyway yeah. right. apparently you know his computer whatever the, the computer he has that has software that able to you know i don't know predict or forecast models is like uh, you know what i'm saying okay so once again i mean it could be a product he's selling but you know everybody know where we're heading it's just a matter of how what when where we can't fight we can't quite figure that out that's up for god to determine all that but um, what else? All right, I don't see more questions about the hour point. Um, what are we looking at? What's coming ahead? We're in February now. What's uh what's what should we keep an eye on? What do you keep an eye on, you think? Yeah, I guess the geopolitical situation. Uh mm -hmm. again, the bond market, see how the market reacts on Monday. I mean, it's reacting today already to this uh non-farm payroll number. 
Yeah, and um, the farmers' uh, situation in Europe, I think that could escalate. And uh, I'm sure we'll probably get, in the beginning of the month, we always get a lot of economic statistics. We got non-farm payroll today, and uh, it's going to continue the next week or two. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that sounds about right. So all those things I'll definitely be keeping my eyes on and whatever else comes about, because there's always a uh, opportunity of them throwing a curveball out the blue where we were like, oh, I didn't see that coming. So, um, all right, my good people, thank you for joining us for the Mike and Mario show this Friday. Hope you guys found some value out of the back and forth here. If you did hit that thumbs up button, make sure you share this with your fellow friends and family, allow them to get an alternative perspective on what's really happening. And uh, yeah, just give people a chance to find out some truth. Because they ain't going to get it from the mainstream media. So, all right. Be blessed. Be safe. And we'll see you guys later.